you know, I grew up with a mom who recycled, who uh, saved things and put them in, you know, the metal and all that stuff. So I think that's part of it. And then when I worked, I, my, my first job in Portland was at Elephant's Delicatessen. Yeah. And I just remember seeing all the plastic waste. And so I, on my non-working hours, I would come in, clean the containers, put them in the truck and drive them to a place to get recycled. Portland 50 podcast is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Additional support for the Portland 50 is provided by Zupan's Markets. Our guest this week on the Portland 50 is somebody you've probably heard often on the Portland 50, the original host, Peggy LaPointe, who is here to talk about a brand new project she's got going on for kink.fm, the Talking Trash podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about her time in Wisconsin, why she likes to go through the trash when she comes to work, as well as what sustainability means in 2019. Had a great little conversation with her. And by the way, that uh, Talking Trash podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or at kink.fm with brand new episodes being released every single Tuesday. So here it is, my conversation with Peggy LaPointe on the Portland 50. I can't figure it out. I cannot. Uh, let's talk about the fact, uh, Peggy, that um, <clears throat> I've taken over your show. Dang it. And <laughs> at no point during this conversation will you interview me. Oh. <laughs> Well, it already feels different that I'm at this You're microphone. sitting over there? Right. I appreciate you giving it up, because normally you sit over here. I was willing to sit over there. I just, no. I can look at the levels, make sure we're good. Puts me in the right mindset, too. Yeah. I'm the interviewee, right. not the interviewer. Okay. Now that you're in your place, let's talk about the <laughs> fact that today you walked into the uh, Kink Studios, Alpha Media, and did the thing you do every single time every you went single. through the garbage. I went through the garbage. I picked out um, the deposit bottles, and I put those in the green bags because yeah. we saved those. I took the paper towels and put them in the garbage and the tea bag. That's what I do. It, every, every single every time. Day. Every time I walk by the kitchen, I have and, to do it. And you do it. You don't even put on gloves. You just do it. People get grossed out when I do that. I'm like, yeah. look, I, I change diapers. Right. I was you say, change diapers. You're a mom. Yeah. I'm a dad. But I, I, I and I have changed diapers, but I still don't know that I have the uh, the <laughs> desire to clean up after people that I don't really, really love. Yeah. Luckily, there's a sink and soap. Yeah. With water. Uh, when did your um, and we'll talk about your podcast coming up here yeah. in a minute. When did your mindset towards sustainability and recycling and things, when did that start for you? Was that? I remember in college, uh, I was moving out of a, a, an apartment. That's my phone. <gasps> <laughs> I remember in college, I was moving out of my apartment and I had some things that I knew could be recycled and I was struggling to find a place to recycle them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I grew up with a mom who recycled, who uh, saved things and put them in, you know, the metal and all that stuff. So I think that's part of it. And then when I worked, I, my, my first job in Portland was at Elephant's Delicatessen. Yeah. And I just remember seeing all the plastic waste. And so I, on my non-working hours, I would come in, clean the containers put them in the truck and drive them to a place to get recycled. You did that on your own? I did on my own time. Wow. So you you basically started making del uh, elephants a little more sustainable on your own time? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And this was probably before, I, mean, I, I think Portland's kind of always been on the cutting edge of, of thinking that way. Yeah. But 
the 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 mentality the mindset really hasn't been there the way it is today in terms of and there have looking been, at how we waste yeah and there have been key people and i've had a chance to interview some of them there have been key people who have uh put these things uh on the map gene roy is a big one who really got uh the curbside recycling going in portland yeah um i remember when we first bought our house and everything went uh we had to separate everything i remember that uh and it was like in a tub like the yellow tubs that we use for glass and then we moved to commingling but you keep still keep the glass separate so there have been just some key people who have worked really really hard uh to get these things going and we all sort of benefit from it let's go back uh, a little bit here um you grew up in wisconsin wisconsin and you said your mom always kind of separated certain things to be recycled. Yeah. Was that, because my mom did that as well. We always recycled pop cans right. and newspapers. Yes. But it was less because we were trying to be, um, you know, sustainable and more because you could get some dough out of it. Right. Remember, I don't know if, if this happened because you grew up in Utah, right? Yeah. Uh, there were paper drives right. in the school. Oh, yeah. And so my mom would save them and uh, give them to the school because the school would make money that way. Yeah. And yeah, so there was a time when you can make money of it. Actually, I remember uh, moving to Portland when I first moved to Portland and long story short, uh, my boyfriend at the time saved paper and took it and got money for it. Yeah. So this was in the '90s, um, but yeah, it was. It wasn't. It was to make money because right. you could make money off that stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously it was a, a good thing to do, but right. I, the mo- the motivation was more about. And I don't even. I should ask my mom if she even remembers how much money we made. Right. But I remember having heaps and heaps of newspaper, mm-hmm. and then the the cans were all done by volume, so you'd right. smash them and get them p- packed down as you know much as possible, so we could throw them all in the van. Well, and, and that was a time when people did that because, uh, I don't know about your parents, you know, my parents grew up poor. Yeah. And so you scrimped and saved and you didn't waste anything. And I, I think that mentality stayed with me, the not, I don't like wasting time or money or resources. Sure. Uh, so I think that just sort of is definitely part of my fabric. I'm, one, I'm curious, uh, I, I, I would guess our parents are probably from the same generation because their parents went through the depression. Yep. And and that's where this you save everything because everything. and you reuse as much as you can. Yes. Well, and, and one set of grandparents of mine immigrated from Mexico. Yeah. And they, you know, some some of the kids were born in Mexico. Some were born. They had thirteen kids, and they were dirt poor. So uh, there's nothing uh, that was wasted. Yeah. And that's my mom's parents. Yeah. And then there was that generation that came in, and it's probably the baby boomers that were. It almost became the generation of excess. Right. I saw this ad the other day, and it was, I think it was for milk. But the, the whole uh, marketing campaign behind this milk was that the the glass jars had never been used before, and that oh they, then, then they won't be used again. Oh, God. So, and, and I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm like, but that was the whole, it had nothing right, to do with right. the deliciousness of I the know, milk. I know. Other than, you won't taste anything else. Just the milk. Oh. And, and it was it was that fifties early sixties where the, it was just like eh, we'll just make something new and then you throw it away. Right. The one time you and that was the whole thing. One time use jars and and glass jars, yeah. which is so easily recyc- recyclable. Yeah, it's like probably the easiest recyclable thing, right? That and metal. Yeah. Yeah. So. That makes me cringe. Yeah. I think a lot of things uh, make you cringe, right? <laughs> like that, like our, our recycling bins over there yeah. that none of us managed to use. Uh, what brought you from Wisconsin to Portland? 
Uh, when I was in college, I, uh, I came to visit my sister. She lived in Portland for a year, and then she lived in Eugene. And for three spring breaks, I came out to visit. And the first time I came to visit, and I, when I was walking into work, I walked past her old apartment on Salmon and uh, 14th, 15th. Anyway, I remember standing on the balcony of her apartment and looking downtown and thinking, I belong here. Yeah. It was just, it was a sense that, that Portland fit me and I fit Portland. I, it's interesting how often I hear people say that. Just yeah. It's just a feeling it's that you a get. feeling. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I drove, I, I visited Portland as a six, 16-year-old mm. going out to the coast for a family reunion. And I, I, all I just remember is the Banfield, just this concrete corridor. <laughs> you don't really you don't really see the city if no. I-84 is all you see. And then... Um, and then I remember a few bridges, but it was uh, probably 2007, 2008. I came in with the, the young family and there was just something about, I was just like, mm-hmm. I got to figure out a way to live here. Yeah. And then my wife figured out how to, how to live here. I had nothing to do with it. It's like, I guess I'll come. Yeah. It, you definitely get that. Yeah. I, you know, it's that instinct uh, of belonging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you did the Portland 50, the original series, 50 interviews, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, quite an undertaking. Yeah. Was it, uh, did, was, I, I'd assume it was fulfilling in, in a lot of different ways. It was. I remember uh, it being presented to me, and I'm like, sure, I'll do it, because I say yes sometimes without thinking. Sure. And and then I, I got a couple interviews in, and I thought, okay, there's going to come a point when I'm going to be tired of this, when I'm just going to dread it. And what I found was uh, just the opposite, and, and that surprised me. But I think it was because each interview was different. Um, each person that came in and I got to talk to, I learned something from, and I felt like, and I know this sounds weird, I felt like I grew from that experience. Yeah. I mean, there were some really interesting people I talked to, and it was cool. I remember walking away going, that was a really cool interview. Any any few that really stand out, something that you, that you either learned from them or maybe the like the life lesson that you took? Well, Bud Clark. Yeah. I mean, how often do you get a chance to right. sit down and talk to the former mayor? He's a legend in Portland. So Bud Clark was interesting. Jerry Frank, uh, that was the only one of two interviews that I had to do out of studio. And so I drove down, drove down to Salem, and he's in his 90s. Uh, and he's got this beautiful office. And I remember sitting on a couch. We're sitting right next to each other because, you know, we only have one microphone. And I'm looking around his office and I see different parts of his world. I mean, I knew who Jerry Frank was. He comes from the Myron Frank family. I also knew he had the article, you know, the, the column in the Oregonian. Um, and I, I, I didn't know he worked with, um, no, I can't remember, the senator. I can picture him, Hatfield, Mark Hatfield. Um, but yeah, he was look, like his, uh, like his uh, uh, chief of staff or something like that? They referred to Jerry Frank as the third senator, yeah, okay. Oregon's third senator, yeah. because he had that much clout. And so you look around his office and you can see photos of celebrities and presidents and senators, and you just get this history lesson in right. his office. So he was really interesting. Kim Malik from Salt and Straw was so nice. Um I love talking to Trace and uh, Cat Daddy from Voodoo Donuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sat for like a half hour after the conversation ended. Yeah. Uh, they are exactly who you want them to be. They are. Yeah. And they're just, um, you, uh, you they, they didn't put on any act or any airs. They're right. just really yeah. neat guys to sit and talk to. Did um, they get real about their donuts? Because I've, I've had a conversation with yes. Trace, and he, he basically said, eh, they're crappy donuts. We get it. We understand. <laughs> we, we're not trying to present these as anything more than they are. Right, right. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't put on airs yeah. at all. And he could. Um, 
uh, Widmer Brothers, they were one of the first ones. They were a lot of fun. They mm-hmm. said, next time we do it, we have to do it over beers. And I said, that sounds good to me. Could've, you could have tried it. I could have tried it. Yeah. And then um, uh, the folks from the Oregon Symphony. And again, I'm blanking on their names. They were the last interview I did. Yeah. Uh, but they were fantastic. Anyway, I could go down the line and list tons of them. Um, but they were just really fun conversations and you get the same thing you've talked to a lot of people yeah i've i've well i'm fresh into this um we just had larry crane on from jackpot recording studio who who revealed that like while he was in a band nirvana opened for him but he said it in passing right um and you went wait 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 yeah yeah, just like we got to talk about that (laughs) That, that's actually a thing that's a thing yeah And and then the other big takeaway is I don't know that I have the patience that would uh, allow me to be a good recording engineer because it's just long and tedious and you you know you you walk down a, a project a few steps and then realize oh we got to backtrack a little bit I I don't have the patience for that I I see the end of a, a project and I get antsy and I start tapping my foot <laughs> and I'm like I'm done uh-huh. oh so, wait yeah so th- and so he kind of talked about how he kind of works against that yeah because i think it's probably human nature to see the see the finish line and mm-hmm. and then he's like no sometimes the, the finish line you think that's the finish line but you kind of you go gotta waste start to go. back over yeah the portland 50 podcast is presented by jaguar land rover portland one company two iconic brands jaguar land rover portland is a don rasmussen company the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Talking Trash, a Green Tips podcast is a chance for me to jump into the world of sustainability by talking to people in business, government, and nonprofits. Hi, I'm Peggy LaPointe. You can find weekly episodes every Tuesday at kink.fm, Apple iTunes, or wherever you download podcasts. So you transitioned from hosting the Portland 50 to uh, a new podcast, Talking Trash. Yep. And... This is a conversation that, uh, that, of all the people I know in my life, this is the perfect podcast for you to be hosting because you live this truly. I'm one of those people that knows a a little about a lot of things. So that's dangerous. Right. Um, But yet it also gives me um, an opportunity to learn more because I know that I don't know a lot. Yeah. about you know lots of specific areas of sustainability so I, I wanted to keep it as broad as possible um, to talk to, to, to give myself an opportunity to be able to go oh yeah that person would be interesting to talk to so yeah I mean so far it's been talking to um, folks who are in business who have created a sustainable business whether it be uh, Nosa Familia uh, particularly with their uh, no waste cafe uh, and then I just talked to Christopher Lofgren from Bamboo Sushi. And if you look at his website, you can tell he is a tech person. Yeah. Because you can get the carbon footprint oh, of wow. what you're about to eat. Oh, wow. Yes. So he, it's, it's, he's gone beyond that idea of where, hey, hey, these are the calories. Right. This is like, this is how this this particular dish is impacting everything. Everything. Yep. So... <clears throat> Those are two of the people I have had a chance to talk to and others, but it's been fun learning from people. Do you think um, it, do you think that like government mandated um, initiatives is going to make the difference or is it people like you and I? I think I know the answer to this. What's going to have the biggest impact long term for for our kids? Because government, it's going to have to be government. It has to be okay. And because there are a lot of people who want to do good, but let's face it, 
there are others who have to be dragged along. Yeah. Um, and they will resent it uh, and they will fight against it. Uh, but in the long run, the only way things are going to change is if the government says so, because there aren't enough businesses who are willing to do the right thing. Yeah. There are some, but they're fighting against the, the, the current <clears throat> Excuse me. And so it really has to be the government saying um, this is the next step that we're going to take and implementing that. And also uh, it takes government. And again, this riles the uh, folks who don't uh, want more government. But it does take government to also give money to those startups mm-hmm. uh, who are willing to risk you know, their uh, livelihood for a few years and work really hard right. because it because they can't come up with the cash themselves. So yeah. some of the great initiatives that have happened um, have come from uh, government saying, okay, well, here's a fund, here's a grant fund um, for you to start up your business and do some good things. And so, it, you know, people will argue with me about it, but that's what I believe. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, th- I think you're right because you, you watch it even just within the last couple of years. There, there's the whole idea, and I, I tend to try to be – I, I think I find myself in that libertarian thing where I'm yeah. like, I don't want the government telling me what to do. Right. However, it was just just barely a few years ago where the little plastic beads they were putting in like every like soap. Right. That was just barely a few years ago. And and so in my mind, I'm thinking, OK, so we're relying on these companies to make the best decisions for us. Yet they're putting this plastic in knowing full well where that plastic is going. Right. It doesn't go away. Right. It's going to be there. And, yeah. and yeah. It, Fortunately, that was pretty short-lived, that, that whole trend, right? No. Or did, that, was it, had it been going on for a while? Those beads had been in, in soap uh, for a decade. Had they? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. But then suddenly realized it was probably somebody uh, in Environment, a marketing. Environmental group. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying oh. somebody in a, in a marketing firm is just like, hey, we should really highlight these beads. Because I wasn't aware of them yeah. until I'm like, oh, this has beads in it. Great. Yeah. Because it's and it's cheap, yeah. yeah. They're you know they're, they they want to go, and I get it. You know, you need to have a, a high profit. You have to stay in business. Yeah, um, I get those things. Um, at the same time, you know, your profits shouldn't come above the are environment. Those, are those gone now? Are they? Are they? Are they? Are they still out there? Because I'm uh, assuming this hasn't been something where the government came in and said you can't do that. Anymore. There were a few cities and states, I believe, because uh, this has been a couple of years, who uh, banned it. Uh, and I think over in Europe as well. Yeah. And so that's and so the company said we're going to stop doing this. So it wasn't a nationwide ban. I believe it was mostly cities because Chicago stands out in my mind as one of the cities who said you know. And California has taken the lead as well. And right. so when California takes a stand, um, oftentimes Oregon and Washington will, and 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 that can help drive change sure. in middle America and on the East Coast as well. When the coasts make change and yeah. demand change, right. you know, that's it, good. Tr- it's, it trickles out. Well, when yeah. the majority of the population are on the coast. Right. Sort of helps, right? Sort of helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, so your podcast, we should, we, and we'll mention this a few times in the intro. Your <laughs> podcast comes out weekly on Tuesdays. On Tuesdays. And my biggest recommendation for fans of the Portland 50 is to make sure to find it and subscribe to it. Give it a review. Make sure it's in your queue so you're listening to Peggy every single week. 
Let's get the word out on that. I get the word out. Nice. Uh, no, the so yeah, I've opened it up to a lot of different people, and I'm I'm trying to get the mayor speaking of yeah. governments and making you know ordinances. So we want to talk about the straw ban, and I'm excited. I just um, got an interview. Did you read the story about TerraCycle, this company who is working with larger companies like Unilever and Nestle and 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 all those folks to have containers that are reused? Uh, and oh, I did it's like for like ice cream. I yes, think I, saw I did you the green tip. Cream, yeah. Yep, I did the green tip a week or so back. Yeah. I, uh, I've got an interview with that company in March, so I'm looking forward to picking their brains about it. But that launches uh, in Paris and New York. Do you think? Uh, do you think that's going to be? It's probably going to be more accepted now than it was five years ago. Because I remember the first time my family bought we bought stainless steel straws. Mm-hmm. We, you know, as a parent, straws are so easy to like. They make things safer. Yeah. You think for at least for us, the environment, who cares? Right. No. Um, but I remember I bought the stainless steel straws that we could throw in the microwave or not in the microwave, in the dishwasher yeah. and, and clean. And that's all we use now. And I remember when I bought them, I was like, oh, 10 bucks. It just seemed crazy that I was spending that amount of money on straws. But we have not bought straws in like five years. Right. Right. And so it's, I think it's things like this that if people, if they can just bend their mind just a little bit to realize, oh, wait, th- wait this is better. Well, and I think what will help this, um, first of all, I don't, I'm going to say this, I don't buy a lot of the products that they're about to put in because these are products that um, have more chemicals in. Right. Um, however, my hope is a number of things. Uh, one, that it uh, really takes off and the, some of the products that I buy will be included. But it's going to work. Uh, in a way that I think uh, uh, will will appeal to a lot of people because it's e-commerce. Because a lot of people are shopping online. Yeah. You can order it, gets delivered to your house, and the containers get picked up. So I think that's going to appeal to a lot of people. Now, if we could only convince Amazon to stop using so much packaging when they send me, like, isn't that crazy? Like, I got a box the other day sent to my house it was for my daughter's birthday and inside the this and it was a gigantic box yes. inside that box was another box that was maybe a quarter of the size of the shipping box mm-hmm. and then inside that box <laughs> was another box it was like it was like a russian nesting ball, doll yeah. of boxes from amazon yeah. finally to get to this thing and it's and so if we could figure out how to convince cuz amazon seems like they want to be friendly to the environment right no comment. I'm getting this look. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, Maybe I, you know it's it, that's frustrating because uh, a lot of these things could go in those uh, stretchy plastic film bags. Right. So you put it in a box, put it in the stretchy plastic film. Think of how much more you can get shipped. Right. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, uh, number two. Yeah. If there's styrofoam in there and what have you, uh, I keep pushing uh, companies whenever something gets. Um, Come to, comes to me in styrofoam. Yeah. There is a company on the East Coast that uh, makes mushroom uh, um, uh, packaging that looks like, kind of looks like styrofoam, yeah. but it's all mushroom. Oh. So it's made in the U.S. It's mushroom. Right. It composts. You could put it in your backyard if you wanted. Could you eat it? Uh, maybe a little salt and pepper. Okay. Right. Ketchup, too. Little, it's kind of dry. A little butter. Uh, <laughs> you could. But, I mean... We got that stuff when we got a computer from Dell. Yeah. And when we got a shipment of wine. So, A, if uh, winemakers use it and Dell uses it, 
you know it's got to be pretty good. Yeah. So why aren't more companies doing it? Yeah. And helping a local business. Is is e-commerce the way it's shifted? Because I think more and more people are doing their shopping from home. I think, I mean, my sister does it a lot. I yeah. don't. Yeah. I don't. I like, I like walking into new seasons, looking at what they've got, and deciding what I'm going to make off of that. Yeah. I like touching things. I like... Right. I, I like all of that. Um, and I need to try things on. If it's clothes, I need to try it on. Shoes, I need to try on. Yeah. Um, Rick, no. Yeah, he's like... It's like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here at Kink and Alpha Media, you are the green team leader. Is that your official title? What's your official title? Sustainability coordinator. Sustainability coordinator. I like I like green team leader because yeah. it sounds a little Star Wars-y. I have a green uh, lantern t-shirt. Oh, nice. I should wear that. They should, you should wear that. Yeah. Um, and that's something, an uh, initiative that I really think you sparked here within our company is to you know really change our ways. Obviously, we've been talking about kink being carbon neutral. Um, you recently got a silver certified with silver the city certified. of Portland. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That means we have hit a number of benchmarks and done a number of things to be more sustainable. So it, it it's not only the recycling and comp food compost that we have. Uh, we changed out our shower head yeah. and our faucet. Um, you know, printing on both sides. Um, things like uh, offering employees uh, commute bus passes, uh, which we've done, and allowing people to work from home. So there are three different categories. You know, it'd be nice to get to gold. I don't know if we'll ever get that, but it's one of those things you keep trying to do. But I was really happy when I presented it to our boss and said, I think this is something that we should do and something that's easy to do. Oh, and we placed placed all of our disposables. Yeah. and that was easy to do. So she was all uh, for it, which made me super happy. Talk about uh, Lisa Decker. Lisa our, Decker. Our, uh, sells me, so, no, her official title is awesome. Yes. No. Her official title is market manager. Yeah. There we go. She runs all of uh, Alpha Portland. Yeah. And she, uh, she was very much behind it. So that made me really happy. And uh, we've got a green team here. Everyone's pretty enthusiastic as far as the green team. And I think other, I've, I've got feedback from other people who are happy as well. And, um, you know, they like the, li- the little bits of information that we're helping get to them. True or false? The bigger the company, the harder it would be to certify within that uh, um, within the city of Portland for false. sustainability. False. I don't think I don't think the size matters. I think it really depends upon what people are willing to do and what the leadership is willing to do. Okay. Um, and does the industry matter? Is it are some industries maybe harder to be to make more sustainable than others? Yes and no. Uh, I'm sure that there are. Um, but also, uh, when you go through the city, and they can answer it much better, when you go through the city, it depends on what kind of business you're in. So we were considered an office, and there are uh, ways to earn points that way, but yeah. they have like restaurants, and they have you know other... So it is kind of adaptable to, to, mm-hmm. to what you're doing. Yeah. Obviously, we're here on the sixth floor of a building, and so we're at the mercy of what... Right. what uh, the PacWest Center folks allow yeah. us to do in some cases. In some cases, there are some things we can do, some things we have no control over. Yeah. So we can't we can't earn points that way. But if you are in your own building, um, I think it, it obviously helps a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I, you know what's interesting for me is that there's the trickle down effect of what happens here at work at my own house because um, I I don't have composting available to me at my house, but I know Corey has started to bring in and I think she's in the same situation she yeah. started to bring in her compostables yeah. to put into ours I think it's a great idea yeah. I, I'm really hoping that Beaverton which is one of the 
you know, next largest cities next to Portland right. um, takes this on because there are now, I think, six cities. Uh, Portland, Lake Oswego, Milwaukee, Forest Grove. I, I can't remember the other ones off the top of my head. But I think if Beaverton and Gresham can get on board um, and do it now that it's proven yeah. and, and it's easy and you've got these haulers who know how to do it, um, I really, really hope that they take it on. I, and I guess the uh, the 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 follow-up to that would be if if you know if your city's not offering it then look at a way to compost at your own house right do you, if you do, can do you do that i did before this happened but you know to be honest with you i wasn't turning it i wasn't yeah, I, the barrel. I, yeah. I was just putting our food waste back there yeah um because it was an alternative to putting in the garbage and i think once you get that uh, once you have that available the curbside compost you realize how how little garbage you right can produce yeah, we had a uh, compost heap in the back of my house growing up, yeah. and so like that was my job at the end of dinner is I would take all the l- food scrappings and take them in the back and throw them in the heap. I like your it was mind. right there next to the to the crab apple tree. <laughs> and your crab apple tea was very happy. It was very happy, exactly. Uh, and that was also the area of the yard you didn't want to run through in the middle of the night. No, Just, like avoid the compost heap. Right. Sometimes it would be warm. It's that <laughs> fermentation or whatever's going on there, right? Uh, warm in a good way and maybe not so right. much. Uh, I, I brought up our green team and our sustainability because that's something that people can do on their own. If they're in a, in a company, they can basically go to the city website and, and find the information and see how they, you know, they, there's a little checklist they can go through. Yeah. Yeah, they, you might already be certified at a certain level. Right. And Genevieve, who I worked with at the city, was great. She came here. We walked around the, the stations and she looked at things that we were doing and things that we could be doing. And she really helped us um, get better. I mean, she gave us aerators for the sinks and um, for the shower head. What do what do those do? I I, I knew that we they do something. They do, do they something. slow the flow? Is that what they do? Uh, they add water to it. They add aerators? air to it. Yeah. Yes, they add air to it, and so it slows down the flow. Like when we we did a video yeah. <clears throat> that hopefully we'll post on the website about Thor and I changing the shower head, and uh, it went from five gallons a minute to two gallons a minute. Oh wow. Just by just by putting a different by shower head that head does in. some aeration. Yeah. Is it going to be like that episode of Seinfeld where nobody can get the soap out of their hair? No. Okay. And it won't be like the episode of Seinfeld where Kramer does his dishes in the shower. Right. I hope. <laughs> we'll keep those areas separate. Is that the same episode? Mm, no. Maybe. It, it could be. Yeah. I'm getting them mixed so, up. So many episodes. <laughs> All right. So Talking Trash, new episodes every Tuesday released on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio soon. It'll be on mm-hmm. the iHeartRadio app. Um, but I just tell people go to kink.fm. It's probably the best way to, to get the episodes. And you do a little blog. You do daily blogs for your green tips. Yep. Monday through, <clears throat> whoa, Monday through Friday, uh, green tips. All right, Peggy. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening today, and in case you've missed any previous podcast, be sure to check out kink.fm or download an episode wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, be sure to like and subscribe. The Portland 50 is a podcast about the people who dream, build, and champion the uniqueness of Portland, creating a better community for generations to come. It's presented weekly by Jaguar Land Rover Portland, one company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.